Hello, everybody. I'm Derek. I'm Blake. I'm Alex. And welcome to One Hour One-Offs. Every episode, we will pit a DM versus a player in an epic duel. The DM must create a one-off campaign designed for a single player that takes one real-life hour to complete. At the end of that hour, no matter what, the session is over, and a winner is determined. We have a rotation of DMs and players, as well as settings and systems set up to keep each episode fresh and exciting. So without further ado, welcome to to One Hour One-Offs. Welcome, everybody. You are listening to the pilot episode of One Hour One-Offs. We've already introduced the general concept of the show, but now for the actual system we'll be using this week. This is the Star Wars FFG uh, Age of Rebellion setting. Um, We are using not the actual, like, official Star Wars setting, but instead a homebrew one that I've been having some fun with during a a personal campaign that we play in. By and large, anything that's different from official canon will be directly described, though, so Star Wars fans, you should be able to follow along. Hey there, everybody. It is Alex. I'm about to go into a pretty brief description of how the Star Wars Fantasy Flight Games role-playing system works. If you don't want to hear the more in-depth version, feel free to skip just about five minutes ahead, and you'll get the fast version. If you do want to follow along a little closer, or you've listened and you're coming back because you didn't understand something, uh, just take a little listen with me, and I'll, uh, I'll explain what is going on. If you are listening to this in a commute or in a car or something, ah, too bad, got you hostage. The easiest way to understand the Fantasy Flight Games dice and system is that it is an attempt to create a narrative flow rather than a simulation of reality. Going off from there, there are two things we need, we care about. There are types of dice and types of symbols. Now, conveniently, there are two sets of three sets of symbols. There are good dice and bad dice, and good symbols and bad symbols. And there are three good dice and three bad dice, and three good symbols and three bad symbols. The three good dice are blue, green, and yellow, which are d6, d8, and d12, respectively. The three bad dice are black, purple, red, which are d6, d8, and d12, respectively. The good symbols are advantage, success, triumph, and the bad symbols are threat, failure, despair. Now, good symbols cancel out bad symbols, and bad symbols cancel out good symbols. So if I roll a set of dice, and I get four successes and four failures, my actual net roll is nothing. All of the successes and all of the failures cancel each other out. Similarly, threats and advantages cancel each other out now triumphs and despairs don't they just both show up if they happen but they're only on one side of each of the d12s so they're pretty rare um and if you're a visual learner and having some trouble actually just like picturing what i'm saying we'll post some pictures of the dice sets to our social accounts so check us out at those links in, in the description um Now, those are what the symbols are, and each of the dice has some number of these symbols. Usually, either each side of each dice has some number of these symbols. The good dice have the good symbols, the bad dice have the bad symbols. There are no bad symbols on good dice, there are no good symbols on bad dice. Similarly, there is only one triumph on one side of the yellow die, and only one despair on one side of the red die. 
and the die represent different things. To create a roll or a, a dice pool, as it's called, for a check, um, the DM fairly arbitrarily assigns a difficulty, usually just a number of purple dice, um, and the player assembles a skill check. You have two numbers relevant to every skill. There is your skill in that and your rank in the appropriate characteristic. The six characteristics are brawn, agility, intellect, cunning, willpower, and presence, which are fairly analogous to the six basic D&D ones, if you know them, and if you don't, that's probably not super helpful. Um, however, your characteristic, let's say it's punching someone in the face, you would take your brawl skill, one to five, and your brawn uh, attribute, one to five, and see what the two numbers are. You take the higher number, and that is the number of green dice you start with, and you take the lower number and swap out a number of those green dice for yellow dice, which is how your chance to crit comes up and increases as your skill increases. Now, the interesting thing, it doesn't matter which is which. So four brawn, one brawl, and four brawl, one brawn, have the same roll of three green and one yellow, because you start with four green and swap one of them out for a yellow. Um, that's pretty much just the opposite for uh, difficulties. So if I have a really difficult scenario, like hacking a really hard lock, and there's something that's made it harder, like it's been in, you know, it's had uh, an anti-picking guard installed, that would add a red or swap a red out for a purple. Uh, the blue and black dice are basically just situational modifiers. So if the rock, the lock is slippery, like it's hard to get a purchase on the tools, that might add a black. However, if it's old and, you know, just doesn't bind quite as tight as it used to, you know, the parts are a little loose inside, that might add a blue. Similarly, aiming adds a blue, but shooting on the run adds a black. And hopefully that will give you a little more insight into how the system works and how me and Blake will be interacting with it. Uh, the weird thing about this system is that it uses symbolic dice instead of numerical. Um, so there are three sets of symbols. There are success and failures, which if you have net successes, you succeed. If you have net fails, you fail. There are advantages and threats. If there are net advantages, good things happen. If there are net, or if there are net threats, bad things happen. And then there are triumphs and despairs, which are basically your critical successes and critical failures. Um, all of these symbols, except for the triumphs and despair, cancel each other out when rolled. So you look at all the symbols on the table, cancel everything out, determine your net roll, and then the GM and player work together to determine what the actual like narrative result of that is. Uh, I will be DMing this session. Uh, Blake, if you want to introduce yourself, you'll be playing. Hello. Yes, uh, I'm Blake. Um, for now, all you, all you get to know, if this only makes it to the light of day, is that I'm a Bith engineer. Hmm. And what are, what are Bith? What are what? What you are, cut out. sorry, what are Bith? Yeah, we're recording this over Discord for anybody Alex? who... Alex? Oh, can you guys not hear me? He said, what are Bith? Ah, okay, um... To anyone who's seen the movies, if you remember the Cantina players... Mm -hmm. Ah, so uh, the uh, like the jazz musicians. Yeah. Perfect. Cool. So you've got a big old bald head. Yep. <laughs> nice. Uh, <laughs> and Derek, you are our moderator for this episode, are you not? Yep. 
uh, hopefully, well, probably, really, I'm not going to need to say much. I am mostly here to keep time. Yeah. And also, if there's any disagreements between player and GM over results of roles or anything like that, he'll be there to make sure things proceed in a timely and fair manner. Absolutely. Yeah. Or in other words, you're there to make sure Alex doesn't just straight up assassinate me. (laughs) (laughs) Basically, yes. But boy, am I going to (laughs) try. I'd be disappointed if you didn't. All right. Let us each roll a force die to determine destiny points for this session. One dark. I also got one dark. Unfortunate. Yeah. So destiny points in this system are like metagame points, basically, where I can use dark side points and flip them to light side points. Blake can use light side points and flip them to dark side points. And we basically get to to alter the situation as we see fit mildly based on that. So we're starting with two dark side, which means, uh, ha ha ha. Balls in your court. (laughs) (laughs) Basically. So without further ado. When I was first told about this one-off, all I was given for character creation was that they had to be Jedi-aligned and a believer in the cause and work as a bomb tech. The complete opposite of the characters I usually make. Knowing that I had to be a bomb technician, I decided to create an engineer, assuming bonuses to mechanical and computer skills would do the most for me. From the start, I decided that um, character would be a male Bith, and I'd focus much more on skills than equipment. Though I did mod both the starting ar- both the combat armor and blaster pistol, I was given according to the 2,000 credit budget. All right, backstory. I decided to incorporate the uh, original sin of being designed by me into the character's backstory, making him an anarchist in the Outer Rim who had had a comrade get caught in one of his bombs. After that, he grew a conscience, drifted for a few years, and came to the Jedi after he saw how much good they were doing. After that, it was only a matter of time before he became a bomb tech as a kind of penance for what he had done previously. Bombs under Bespin. More than 1,000 years have passed since Luke Skywalker defeated the Emperor above Endor, and the Sith and Jedi now wage an intergalactic war. Cloud City has long fallen from its glory and splendor in the days of the Empire, and is now kept in perpetual darkness by the Citadel, Eclipse City, floating above it. This weaponized platform is controlled by the greedy mining oligarchs who own Cloud City. The Jedi Council has been unwilling to act against them until now because Cloud City provided an essential flow of Tabana gas to the Jedi Army which is needed as fuel in starships. But now, a threat to destroy the entire facility has been issued and the Jedi are forced into action. Aboard the Peacekeeper, in orbit around Bespin, a group of people in various states and styles of dress, from dirty white tank tops to full body armor and blast helmets, sit in dead silence focused on the figure who has just entered the room. The weight of her presence instantly quenches the babble of bored soldiers. None of you have ever seen a member of the Jedi Council before. Master Utara Mandalai, a stern-faced Miralan with olive green skin and a trio of semicircles tattooed on each cheekbone, has called you and every skilled bomb tech in the sector to a top-secret meeting. She begins speaking with little pause. The oligarchs of Eclipse City have made a threat we can't ignore. 
in their endlessly greedy scrabble for higher prices on Tibana gas exports to Jedi systems. She brings up a diagram of Cloud City and zooms in on the reactor bulb. They have planted a bomb on the reactor bulb of Cloud City. This is the point where powerful tractor beams pull the highly explosive Tabana gas up into the facility for carbon freezing. If the bomb is allowed to detonate, a simulation plays of the explosion traveling up the mining spike and shattering Cloud City. All seven million workers on that facility will be killed. The oligarchs demand a meeting with the Jedi Council. We cannot go into that meeting with the bomb still active. The oligarchs are too unstable and believe themselves invincible in their floating fortress. Now, I cannot share more details of this mission, but know it is more dangerous than anything you have undertaken before. I cannot order any of you to take this risk, but I must ask that one of you bear this burden and volunteer. You are these people's only hope. I immediately, albeit rather slowly, stand up as volunteer. Yeah, the there's a, a sullen silence across the room, half shame, half relief, as everyone else realizes it won't be them. The, the Jedi Utara motions to you to follow her back out the way she came. I nod and wordlessly follow. You are brought to a, a smaller room, clearly the Jedi's personal chambers, or someone just forgot to decorate in here. I'm sure you have many questions. Unfortunately, I can answer none. There is no time. We have strong evidence that one of the oligarchs is in possession of a powerful dark side artifact, and we do not know how much its influence has spread among them. As such, we believe the bomb has already been armed. You will be sent in on a cloaked fighter. She raises her hand to stop you before you can protest. Yes, a cloaked fighter. I know the power draw is too intense. The ship can only hold enough fuel to get you there, not back. Now, we can get you into position one hour before the negotiation starts. That's when we are scheduled to, and a look of slight disgust crosses her otherwise stoic face, dine with the oligarchs. If you are successful, then we will liberate Cloud City by force and extract you then. Your ship is fueled in the hangar. May the force be with you. Thank you, Master Jedi. I bow slightly and head off towards the hangar. Yeah. And you have never known the Jedi to be hasty, but before you know it, you are piloting a ship out the hangar of the Peacekeeper, or the Peace Saber. You activate your cloaking before leaving the ship's hangar as ordered, and before long, you are flying by equipment through the dense, opaque atmosphere of Bespin. You soon arrive at the maintenance deck and land on top of the worn, pockmarked metal, and that will also mark the start of our timer. Oh, thank God you didn't make me fly the ship. <laughs> All right. The ship yeah. has. Oops, sorry. Oh. The ship has been equipped with a. Uh, it's a boarding vessel. I forgot to mention. So it's actually got something that'll bore through the roof of the maintenance hatch too. All right. Um. So I guess that would mean I start by boring through the maintenance hatch and what dropping in. Uh, if that's what you do, then yes. So you I drop mean, are, down. Are there any other? Are there <laughs> any other ways in? No, no, not really. So you drop down. Yeah. All right. There are three ugnots, my uh, manning or ugnotting various uh, various consoles around the room, and a maintenance droid holding an arc welder that has that was just about to begin to uh, welding the the door to the bulb closed, but has turned around when noticing your entrance and says, Intruder! Intruder! 
Um, do any have any of the Ugnops reacted to this? Uh, there are some porcine squealings, and they turn around. One of them grabs a uh, hydro spanner off its belt. I quickly hold up my hands. Wait, stop. I'm here to disarm it. So the uh, the Ugnots look at each other and then glare at you. And one of so the one that had its hydro spanner out begins to like smack it on its hand threateningly. Uh, and the other and one of them pulls a uh, one of them pulls a holdout blaster. I drift my left hand down towards my blaster pistol, mm-hmm. but do not draw it. We got two options. You can either shoot me and I'll die when the bomb that's been planted in that chamber goes off, or you can let me through here and we can have a chance at making it out of this. The, uh, one of the, one of the Ugnots, the one holding the holdout blaster. So there, there, there's no real equivalent of cocking the hammer back, but he, uh, you know, he, <laughs> he charges the blaster pack, let's say, and squeals something to the, uh, to the droid. The droid turns to you and says, the bomb will bring higher Tabana gas prices and save the Ugnots. You're willing to die for this. The, uh, the Ugnot actually kind of cocks its head at you for that and, and squeals. What do you mean, die, says the droid? That bomb goes off. That starts a chain reaction that spreads to all the Tabana gas in this station. The result will be that this entire city gets turned into a fireball. If you want to become bacon, then <laughs> stay here all you like. All right. Can you roll me? Hmm. I want to say. I don't know. That would be that would probably be charm, honestly. Oh, wait, what's this? A character that doesn't have ass presence? <laughs> yeah, presence is this system's uh, like charisma stat, charisma. basically. Yeah. <laughs> So, can you roll me charm versus two purple? One success. Ooh, okay. Yeah, the, uh... The Ugnaught... Sheathes his, uh... The Ugnaught sheathes his holdout blaster and kind of squints at you through its already squinty pig-like eyes and then squeals something to the droid again. Uh, the droid says he is going to run some tests. And he, the Ugnot walks over to the, the console and starts typing some things in. I uh, scan around the room. Is, are there any other ways in or out so there's a hatch in the ceiling which you drilled through to get in there is a door that leads inside the reactor bulb the three um the three small ugnot sized consoles and the rest of the room is pretty much just walking space to access various steam pipes hanging wires and bare bulbs that fill the rest of the room 
Okay. Um, I will slowly and non-threateningly edge over towards the door to the reactor core. All right. Yeah. One of the uh, one of the ugnots, one of the ones with hydro's banners, like steps in between you and the door. And the door. I look slightly askance at the Ugnaught. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. you're going to do more than the door is. <laughs> the Ug- the Ugnaught crosses his arms and squeals something indignantly. You don't really need the droid to translate for you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually gonna I'm gonna flip a dark side point here. Uh, and I'm gonna say that the Ugnaught that was at the equipment comes back and squeals something to the, uh, and squeals something to the droid. The droid says, The Tabana gas has been carbon frozen in the rest of the facility and should not allow the entire, the entire city to be destroyed. That is the dumbest carking thing I have heard all day and I was sent here to defuse a bomb I know nothing about <laughs> we stand Star Wars swears um, yeah do you wanna would you wanna would you wanna roll me for that what's the is this like intimidation now um well actually no that was just the start of it I was gonna go on an engineering rant about the flashpoint of carbon frozen gas and presumably the ignition temperature of the bomb would end up flash melting the tabana and ch- and uh, starting the chain reaction anyway perfect go for it go for it um, so do you want me to actually go on the engineering rant or should I just roll first and then see how it goes <laughs> uh no go on the engineering rant and we'll see how it we'll see how it's taken okay okay. Um, so, I tell we know nothing about the ball, unless any of you would care to correct me. The no? Ugnots, okay. uh, yeah, they, they look around at each other and kind of go, I can't pig squeal, but yeah. <laughs> no, okay, phenomenal. So, we know nothing about the ignition temperature of whatever device this is. If whoever planted this has half a brain, likely... They they have it rigged such that the ignition temperature will be higher than the flashpoint of the carbon-frozen gases. This will spot vaporize the carbonite freezing, exposing the gas to the uh, overpressure and heat of the blast anyway, and still cause the chain reaction. Regardless of whatever you think is prepared around here, either I attempt to defuse that bomb right now, or we're all guaranteed to explode. All right. So that would probably be, hmm. I I mean, do you think, I, I'm kind of thinking intimidation for that. How about um, you? It could be intimidation. I'm trying to spin it such that, yeah, I mean, ideally I'd use numbers here, but I don't actually know the flashpoint of carbonite. <laughs> All good. <laughs> Um, so I'm, I'm hoping to use more, like, a- 
actual mechanical terms in this. Okay, yeah. So roll me... That's going to be a little harder, though, because... I, I assume. Yeah, so roll me... Partially because language barrier, roll me difficulty to mechanics with a black die added. And so those black die have... Okay. For, for, our, for our listeners who might not be familiar, the black die have are mild, uh, like, detriments due to the situation he might be in. What's the verdict? <laughs> One success. <laughs> We've had some very mild-mannered rolls. <laughs> Yeah, I'm a little uh, surprised nothing interesting came of that. My mechanics roll is three yellow and a green. Damn. Yeah, so yellow so green are normal good die, yellow are super good die, and blue are minor good die. Similarly, purple are normal bad die, black are minor sorry, purple are normal bad die, black are minor bad die, and red are super bad die, basically. Um so one success. Yeah, um, the Ugnaught is going to... So yeah, basically, long story short, they believe you, but kind of, like, the room kind of devolves into chaos. The one with the holdout blaster actually drops it, and it goes off and, and hits, <laughs> a, hits a pipe and steam starts rushing out. Um, and they've all, they've all, like, fled to their various controls, and one of them so you see one of them go to hit a big like alarm button basically uh how far am i from him um so that's actually that's the one that you were talking to so pretty close okay um hmm i'm going to attempt to get between him and the alarm and like block him i guess just saying you do that you guarantee all hell breaks loose down here and we get that much closer to all being fried today yeah he he squeals the same sound over and over again and the droid after like after the droid starts translating he just goes family 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 Ah, I sort of snarl in moral dilemma. <laughs> um, My favorite language. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and after, you know, maybe a couple seconds of anguished grimacing, I tell him... So I ask him, and what happens if you push that button? Uh, he squeals, uh, uh, squeals and snorts a series of things to the droid who repeats to you, it will trigger a city-wide alarm warning of immediate danger. You do that. Whoever planted whatever is in there comes down here that happens 
I assume they're going to silence all witnesses. You know what that means, right? The, uh... It means your best hope, seeing your family, is opening that door and letting... and allowing me an attempt at disarming whatever's in there. The Ugnaught kind of... The Ugnaught looks up at you with big, moist eyes and a quivering lower lip. Um, can you roll me coercion? Yes. This is going to be one purple and a red, because this is a very personal matter. Oh, 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 oh I missed Darth Maul's coercion roll. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Ooh. One failure, one advantage. Okay. So, yeah, the Ugnaught... The Ugnaught looks up at you with those big wet eyes and the quivering lower lip and basically, like, does the equivalent of you're, like, holding it back with one arm while it's trying to reach the console. <laughs> uh, what do you want to use with your advantage? Um... Can I trip him? Yeah, yeah, that's totally fine. So you, like, I assume gently... Yes. Yeah, you, you just, like... So he's, like, really pushing against you, and you basically just have to move your hand away, and he falls over. <laughs> yeah, um... How big is the droid relative to him? Uh, the droid is, like, full human-sized. Can I spot reprogram the droid to just sit on him so he stays on the floor? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, well, by now the other two Ugnaughts have uh, have circled round and are attempting to to understand the situation. But yeah, you can totally try and reprogram the droid. Yeah, all right. Uh, what role is that going to be? That will be... That's probably hard computers. So difficulty... So three purple. Yep. Alright, so three purple versus three yellow and a green. Damn. Don't screw me. Uh... Two successes. Alright, perfect. So what do you what do you I will let you give it a new prime directive. Um yeah. Uh make sure alarm is not triggered. <laughs> sure, yeah. So you step back, the droid kinda like sparks back to life. Uh the Ugnaughts have been watching you with, you know, their big quivery lips and eyes. Uh, this entire time, and the droid walks over to the console with the alarm, grabs the alarm, and just rips it out. <laughs> I just sort of shrug my shoulders and walk over towards the um, like main reactor door. <laughs> Alright, yeah, so the Ugnaughts, at, at that the Ugnaughts, you know, they are intelligent creatures, and they now recognize that they won't be able to to warn their families. So one of them one of them goes over to turn off the reactor bulb and the other one goes to um to open the door. Nice. Yeah. So unfortunately, opening the door and bulb take time. So or rather opening the door and closing the bulb takes time. 
Uh, the door is an airlock, obviously, because there is extremely high-pressure explosive gas flowing through the wall, like, ten feet to... Or, like, ten feet to the other side of the wall. And closing down the entire reactor bulb involves shutting down the tractor beams as well as closing the hatch at the bottom. So you have five minutes before the airlock is cleared and ten before the uh, the door is open. Or before the bulb is closed, my bad. Okay. So uh, effectively 15 minutes until... Uh, nope. So ten minutes until the thing is fully closed. They don't need to happen in order. Oh, okay, got it, got it. Yeah. So um, you can either spend five minutes in this room trying to figure stuff out, or five minutes in there with the gas. Uh, in here, trying to figure stuff out. All right, cool. So, Derek, if you want to start that uh, the five-minute uh, timer so we see how much time he has and then how much we need to just subtract from the clock when he's done. Yes, I got it. Perfect. All right, what do you want to do? All right, I assume there are some form of scanners for the reactor core? Uh, yeah, yeah, there, there's some... This is the maintenance deck, so there's some observation probes and stuff. All right, great. Um, what... Uh, I mean, I guess I'll just cycle through those, see what kinds of readings they have, and if I can get any information on what type of weapon I'm dealing with. Cool. So you have two options. You can either attempt to operate them yourselves, which will be easy computers with a black because they are Ugnot controls, or you can convince one of the Ugnots to do it for you. I'll just do it myself. All right. You said easy with a black? Yeah. Tiny little buttons meant for stubby little fingers. Mm. So, um, refresh my memory. Ugnots, that's, um, the dude from Mandalorian? Yeah, yeah. Um, I forgot his name, but the dude from Mandalorian, also the ones that blow up C-3PO on Cloud City. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So what's our result? Uh, give me one second. Uh, let's see. <laughs> Four successes and a triumph. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, I mean, so obviously you are very quickly able to uh to cycle through the various cameras get angles on the bomb and its location uh and what would you like to do with your triumph um can i tell what type of bomb it is sure um i was going to make that be a check but i will let you make the check from here and a little easier um so, can you make me a uh, two purple check to identify this bomb? Um, I was thinking either a knowledge skill or perception. Uh, yeah, I'll go perception. Cool. My perception isn't bad. Perfect. One success, three advantage. Perfect. So the success gets you some bad news. It appears to be a smart bomb with a chemical fuse and proton warhead payload. 
It also appears to be equipped with tamper-proof circuitry that may detonate the bomb if not disabled. And this is basically every bomb tech's worth worst nightmare. Smart bombs are expensive and risky, but nearly impossible to direct hack, and chemical fuses can only be halted by using the onboard chemical synthesis to prevent the triggering reaction. As for the payload, the proton bomb is more than enough to reach the vaporization temperature of the uh, of the Tabana gas, like you estimated. Yeah. Uh, upon seeing that, I basically sit down hard at the controls and at medium vo volume just go Oh, sit spit. <laughs> yeah. It's not ideal. Uh, how are we doing on time for the door opening and stuff, Derek? A minute and 21 seconds left. All right. Uh, is there anything else you want to do, or do we want to just jump cut to... Um, doesn't sound like there's much else I can do, so we may as well go ahead and jump cut. All right, so cut six minutes off the uh, off the timer, and you will be depressurized and in the shutdown reactor bulb. Timer is cut. All right, so yeah, you are hanging on to a unfortunately small ugnot sized ladder hanging above. Uh, so the doors close, but don't actually like fully seal. So there's still, like, some harsh winds and some gas, like, tendrils buffeting you around. And like I said, the ladder's real small. Um, so can you make me a medium coordination check to climb this ladder safely? Medium is too purple for the audience. Uh, too purple, too green. I don't like this. <laughs> Uh, could have been worse. <laughs> One success, two threats. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, so you are able to successfully climb down to the bomb, uh, but your plasma cutter is ripped off your belt and falls down through the, uh, falls down into the gas layers of Vespin. I assume no getting that back. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's kind of like a Luke's hand scenario, you know? Yeah. <laughs> All right. You are now, however, at the bomb. It is a few meters square on each side. And the first thing you notice is as you approach, a little LCD-style screen flashes to life. This is the AI module. A little scrolling text and a little doo-doo-doo plays. Want to play a game? Don't blow up. Then, uh, so there's a little keypad below the screen and a question scrolls across. Uh, I will allow meta knowledge for this, just so you know. Who was Chancellor during the Clone Wars? Uh, Sheev Palpatine. All right. Uh, big ol', like, the screen lights up green and there's some exclamation points. And then, Derek, can you let me know every two minutes so I can ask another question? Of course. Perfect. All right. So, yeah, you, you know that in general, uh, smart bombs have an onboard AI basically just designed to harass whoever is attempting to disarm it. Fun. Yeah. So now, do your thing. So, first things first, I'm going to assume it's far too heavy to move. 
So regardless of that, it's actually electromagnetically like locked to the side of the uh, to the side of the thing. So you wouldn't be able to move it without tampering. However, if you were able to detach it, it would probably just fall straight out the bottom. Okay. Okay. Um. What, uh, how do I put this, is the general condition of Bespin's atmosphere? So, Bespin is a gas planet with multiple layers of various density gases populating it. Um, the Tibana layer, which is where you are currently at, is pretty thick uh, and obviously entirely highly explosive. So you would need, if you were to try and drop the bomb out the bottom, you would need to give it enough time to clear the Tabana layer before detonating. Okay. And you can make me a you can make me a check to determine how long you think that would be. Mm, knowledge education. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that'll be that'll be probably medium knowledge education, unless you have a backstory reason to to know about Bespin. No, not really. Fair enough. Uh, three successes and an advantage. Perfect. Okay, so you estimate, and I'm, a, I'm actually going to spend your advantage here, so you get it even more precise than you thought you were going to be. You need 20 minutes before this thing goes off in order to have it clear the in order to have it clear the atmosphere. Uh, if it goes off in the Tabana, you estimate that not only would Cloud City be destroyed, but the entire planet could go. Oh, damn. Yeah. Uh, how much time have I got? You glance at the timer and it shows you 27 minutes and zero seconds. Oof. Unfortunate. Uh, all right, tell me about the electromagnetic locks. What am I looking at? They're fairly simple but beefy they're just big electromagnets wired into the bomb um are the electromagnets themselves exposed or is it just like um the magnetic portion it's just the magnetic portion all right um ah, damn i don't have my fusion cutter anymore that's unfortunate you do have some uh, quick flash burning gel. I'm hesitant to use something that incendiary surrounded by a lot of Tabana gas. Perhaps reasonable. <laughs> um. Oh. Oh, now there's a thought. When's our next uh, trivia question going to be, Derek? It comes up in like two seconds. All right. Yeah, as you're as you're thinking about this, there's a beep, 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 and you're forced to bring yourself back up around to the uh, to the LCD's screen. What eats tauntauns on Hoth? Wampas. Correct. All right. So, I have a talent called Contraption. Once per session, make a hard mechanics check to create a device to solve the immediate problem with the parts on hand. I'm not saying, I'm not saying, you know, just diffuse the bomb, something like that. That'd be boring. Yeah. No. Um, what I'm going to do is I want to turn my fusion lantern into a fusion cutter. 
Okay. Yeah. So I'm going to give you two black on that check. Um, just because you don't really have a effective workspace or super effective tools. But yeah, you can totally attempt that. I'm also going to flip a destiny point to upgrade my roll. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. All right. <laughs> so... I still have to roll two more yellow, but I figured I'd share the result of the first one. Mm -hmm. Two threats, two failure, or, well, no, the net result of the first roll is two threats and two triumphs. Nice. <laughs> yeah, and for those listening at home, the reason he's breaking it up like that is the sets of dice don't actually have enough of each dice to make all the rolls, so we gotta, we gotta do it in stages. All right, so net roll... One success, one threat, one triumph. One success, one threat, one triumph. Okay, I'm going to use that threat to say this takes you... This takes you, I'm going to say, like, three minutes. And so we're now at our... If you want to just dock that off, we are now at our... Uh, at our Ewok. Or at our next question as well. What <laughs> planet do Ewoks live on the moon of? Indoor. Correct. And you now have a functioning fusion cutter. Yeah. So what I want to do is... Oh, yeah. What use... do you want to do with your triumph? Oh, right. My triumph. Um... Let me think. So I, uh, I'm going to... I assume that fusion cutters are basically just like plasma cutters on steroids. Yep. That is, that is in fact, the, the description, basically. <laughs> nice. So, hmm. so since plasma is quasi-neutral but charged at a microscopic level, what I want to do is have it so that if I end up overcutting the plasma arc will destruct will destructively interfere with the electric current that causes the electromagnet to function. Mm. Okay. So you want uh, you want it to uh... Yeah, okay. You're going to have to sacrifice some cutting efficiency for that, but it's no Done. it's <laughs> it's yeah, you you rewire it a little so it's like a it's like a fusion cutter slash, like, arc welder, basically. Um, nice. Yeah. All right. Now get to work. Yeah. So what I'm going to attempt to do is cut around the magnetic portion of the electromagnet to expose the magnetic, to expose the actual, like, electromagnet. So I can hopefully yeah. take those out of commission. Perfect. Also, I can take those out of, out of commission because I just modded the thing to do that. Mm-hmm. Yep. AI trivia is going to pop while this process takes place. Cool. Yeah, so let's uh, let's just cut, say, a minute 30-ish ahead. What does a Dianoga eat? Um... Refuse. 
the a little like emoticon face shows up and squints at you. I'll allow it. Answer trash. <laughs> um, but yeah. So you you have successfully managed to cut away a portion of the uh, of the paneling, al- allowing you to get a hand in there to start uh, to start screwing around with wiring. All right. Uh, time left. You're sitting at sixteen twenty-two. Ooh, that's unfortunate. Well, very conveniently for you, this is also where the tamper-proof wiring is, so you could just start on that. All right. Yeah. Um, I mean, what are we talking about in terms of tamper-proof wiring? So yeah, you so you know that a lot of bombs are rigged such that if the main components are altered in any way, they the bomb just goes off. Uh, so you have accessed the portion where all of that is controlled, and thankfully, unlike everything else in this bomb, it being a smart bomb with a chemical fuse, this is fairly standard. There is a set of five wires and a set of six wires. The five wires from top to bottom are... Green, red, green, black, yellow. And the six wires from top to bottom are green, yellow, white, red, white, black. Now, you know, and I can, I can read you this again if you need to. You know if the last wire, so for the first one of the five wires, if the last wire is black and the last digit of the serial number is odd, cut the fourth wire. Otherwise, if there is exactly one red wire and there is more than one yellow wire, cut the first wire. Otherwise, if there are no black wires, cut the second wire. Otherwise, cut the first wire. Uh, is the last wire black? Remind me. The last wire is yellow. Okay. Um, last digit of the serial number? Uh, yeah, you pull yourself out and around and the serial number is 866297. Okay. Um, what was last digit odd, last wire non-black? Or uh, is there a last wire yellow? Sorry, if the last wire is black and the last digit of the serial number is odd, cut the fourth wire. Uh, otherwise, if there is a- exactly one red wire and there is more than one yellow wire, cut the first wire. Otherwise, if there are no black wires, cut the second wire. Otherwise, cut the first wire. Okay. Um, how many red wires? Two? Uh, there is one. Green, red, green, black, yellow. So it was if there are two yellow wires and one red, then cut the fourth? Uh, if there is exactly one red and more than one yellow, cut the first. Okay, What was, and then what was the otherwise... Otherwise, if there are no black wires, cut the second wire. Otherwise, cut the first wire. All right, I cut the first wire. All right. And then the set of six wires, I will remind you, is green, yellow, white, red, white, black. Uh, so it was green, yellow, white? Yep. Red, white, black. Red, white, black. Okay. If there are no yellow wires and the last digit of the serial number is odd, cut the third wire. Otherwise, if there is exactly one yellow wire and there is more than one white wire, cut the fourth wire. 
Otherwise, if there are no red wires, cut the last wire. Otherwise, cut the fourth wire. I cut the fourth wire. Ooh, yeah, you actually get shocked from that, and you recognize that that is... that something is not right here. Uh, a little, like, bomb-diffusal voice in the back of your head tells you to examine the wires closer. Okay. Um, yeah, I'll examine the wires closer. Yeah, so make me, uh, make me probably just easy perception. Alright. Let's see if it's perception. Uh, one threat, two successes, and a triumph. Alright, so you shock yourself again, and I'm gonna deal you two strain for that. Uh, you successfully notice that some of the, like, casing has been switched around on the wires. So the order for the six wires is actually green, green, white, red, white, black. Green, green, white, red, white, black? Yeah. All right. What was the um, mantra for this again? Uh, well, first, how do you want to use your triumph? Uh, can I use my triumph to cut the right wire? Sure. Yeah. So right <laughs> <laughs> yeah you you remember the mantra the correct cut is three because uh if there are no yellow wires which there aren't and the last digit of the serial number is odd which it is cut the third wire because the yellow casing was the one that was switched all right great yeah so you are now free to mess with the bomb as much as you want sort of <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Um, is there a way to, uh, no, I guess, uh, fool the chemical fuse? Uh, yes. So you would know that a chemical fuse is best disarmed by synthesizing a stable enough chemical to prevent the triggering reaction. So there's onboard chemical synthesis, and you're just going to need to use it to create the right chemical. All right. All right. Um, how do I do that? So there is a system of tubes with various chemicals in them uh you look at so currently the fuse chamber is filled with a brilliant blue liquid a quick glance at the labels on the other chemicals violet hydroclocophene green clendoforolone and yellow extodramacline tells you that n dimathazite a red orange uh, color is the only compound stable enough to halt the fuse and that the bomb will detonate at the start of the meeting with the Jedi, unlike what the Jedi were estimating. Uh, and mathazite is closely related to many compounds that could trigger the fuse immediately, however. So, for the sake of this encounter, these chemicals are solely identified by color. The ones you are looking at are violet, green, and yellow. You're trying to get red, orange. There is also a white chemical and a black chemical that you know would be uh, basically so those are you don't know exactly what those are, but you estimate that those will alter the chemicals into other compounds. Okay, I'm trying to get red orange, trying to get red orange, which in color adding is red, red, yellow. Okay. How much time do I have left? 
Eight minutes and 51 seconds. Uh, is it trivia time? Ah, uh, yes. It's been trivia time several times, my mistake. Oh. <laughs> we, would, we would need three rounds of trivia at this point. Beep, beep, beep. What planet is richest in Beskar? Mandalore. Correct. Beep, beep, beep. What water planet is named after its own inhabitants? Camino. Uh, eh, eh. So, canonically, that is correct, but... Interesting. Oh, Mon Cal. Mon Cal, yeah, yeah, correct. Uh, so that is your one strike, the mod, the uh, AI informs you. What planet mm-hmm. is home to the language Shiriwook? Kashyyyk? Correct, all right. Back to colors. Yes. Shit, I I am not good at this as a player. (laughs) It's all good. Uh, What are we looking at for destiny points right now? Is it too dark? Yeah. Um, I'm going to flip one and say that a big, uh, like a big gust of of Tibana gas comes up from underneath you and you need to make an easy uh, athletics check to hold on. Okay. One success. All right, yeah, you brace and are successful. All right. Um... Uh, I will flip my destiny point and honestly ask for a hint on color mixing. Sure. So um, you have... Violet, which is blue and red, uh, green, which is uh, yellow and blue, and yellow, which is yellow. The white removes red from the mixture, and the black removes blue. And you're trying to get to yellow, red, red without hitting yellow, red, or orange, starting from blue. So I'm starting from blue, and I'm trying to get to yellow, red, red? Yeah. The order of the letters doesn't matter, but it needs to have those three. Okay. So I'm, ac- I'm actually going to pause the timer real quick, because this is a fairly complicated puzzle to describe over uh, over voice. So let me know when that's set. Derek? Yes, timer is paused. It shows 5.57. All right. So... um just general color adding things so if i start with violet which is blue red and i were to add yellow i would end up with blue red yellow which would just look like a brown but we don't necessarily care about that and then you can add the different chemicals or subtract them with the violet green yellow white and black so this is probably best going to be thought about in terms of the letters okay um are you set to resume? Yeah. I'm good on the timer also. During that explanation before we paused the timer, another question did pop. Okay. So do you want to count us down and then we'll do the uh, we'll do the question. All right. Counting you into the timer. Three, two, one. Beep, beep, beep. What planet are na- Rancor is native to? 
Felucia. Ooh, do you want to do you want to roll a? You're pretty sure on that. Do you want to roll a knowledge? Yeah. Yeah. So roll me roll me mm, medium knowledge genealogy. All right. or one success, two advantages. Perfect. Uh, I'll give you 30 seconds on the timer for those advantages, and the answer is Dathomir. Huh, okay. Yeah, all right. Um, uh, so I enter Dathomir. Yep. Correct. What was that, about two minutes, 30 seconds? No, add 30 seconds. Oh, okay, got you. All right, colors. All right, um, so... That was also the last I... question, just we don't need to worry about okay. that anymore. Okay, so we're starting at blue. Starting at blue. Need yellow, red, red. And what is it I can't hit? You can't hit yellow, red, or orange purely. So you can't hit yellow, red, yellow, or red. Okay. And just remember to try and talk through this out loud as best you can for our audience. Here. Yes, yes. Okay. So what I've done, since I don't have access to a uh, nearby notepad and pencil, is just typed it up in the Discord chat. All good. Um, let's see. So we're starting at you. The bomb does give you a five-minute warning on detonation. Yeah, the AI gleefully exclaims that five minutes is left. Wonderful. Okay. 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 Um, so if I add black, it goes to empty. Add violet, it goes to blue and red. Mm -hmm. Add yellow, it goes to yellow, blue, red. Add yellow. Wait, add yellow. Uh, no, no, not that. Um, let's see, make that add violet twice. Mm -hmm. Add yellow. Add uh, two black. All right. Let me. So pause the timer again, Derek. Paused. Let me just, so is that what you're going to attempt? Yes. Let me just calculate what that's going to come out to on my end so we can do it all in narrative. Um, so what? Good. So what was the list of things again? Black, violet, violet, yellow, black, black. Black, violet, violet, yellow, black, black, was it? Yes. So... Okay. So you do that? Yes. All right. The chemical so you start with the black, the chemical in Oh sorry, can we uh, can we resume? Derek, you got it. So you add black. The chemical in the center turns clear. You add violet. 
you end up with a violet color. You add violet again. Yeah, I, I know, Derek. I messed up and didn't describe that. Um, <laughs> uh, you add violet again, and you end up with an even deeper violet. The yellow is added, turning the mixture a strange brown. And then the two injections of the cleansing black yields a beautiful red-orange and mathazite. And there so, you have it. The bomb has been disarmed. The AI... The AI, Yeah, the AI just puts a big old frowny face on the LCD screen and then turns off. Honestly, af after it's disarmed, I just kind of sit down and start laughing in relief for a second. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you, crawl, do you eventually climb back up into the... Uh... The I do, touch? yes. Yeah. The, uh, so what do you tell the Ugnaughts? They're all just standing there, like, staring up at you, yeah. watching so, on the screens. Since I'm, like, it, since I'm in armor, is it, first of all, is it safe where I am now to remove my helmet? Yes, yeah. So let's say you take the time to come back through the airlock. No time limit anymore, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I, uh pull my helmet off and I I assume Bith sweat <laughs> um let's say they don't they're weird they don't sweat instead they instead they just like get dry skin build up huh interesting I hate that <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's actually canon any Star Wars fans out there I'm we're just making that up yeah I mean I do whatever the racial equivalent of wiping sweat off my brow is yeah, all the dead skin flakes just kind of float down. Yeah. I sit down for a moment to catch my breath and just, just say, It's done. Bombs <laughs> <laughs> off. You are embraced in a very snotty, squealy hug from three directions. Yeah, I, I accept it and just kind of half fall into hysterical laughter before <laughs> for, before remembering you know where i am and what i was meant what i was who i was sent here by and get try to get into contact with the jedi so you would actually know probably not to do that because they said that the extraction is going to come af after their invasion of cloud city so you're basically just stuck here until some jedi forces bust in through the door and say all right come with us Oh, all right. Yeah. So we will cut there with you in a sweaty, snotty, dry, skinny, squealy embrace, having saved the lives of seven million people. Feels weird being on this side of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, congrats, dude. That was awesome. That last puzzle was no joke. Honestly. Yeah, that that was that was nerve wracking. <laughs> Um, I think that is going to call it for the official first episode of One Hour One-Offs here, guys. Thanks for tuning in, listening. Hope you enjoyed the adventures of our Bith bomb tech and the Ugnaught mechanics, uh, which sounds like an awesome Star Wars band. Absolutely. Honestly. I, I would listen to them. Um, Probably a pretty good jizz band. 
<laughs> I, I thought about making that joke and then I didn't, but I'm glad someone did. Uh, Jizz is actually the canonical name of the style of music that the musicians in Moe's Eisley play. It's, what, is it like, I think it's D-J-I-Z-Z? Yeah, it's not spelled exactly the same way, but like, come on, Lucas. <laughs> My boy Luke, yeah. out here. Right. Also, for any listeners following along at home, we had two minutes and twenty-three seconds left on our timer. <laughs> yeah, I think now we are going to cut over to the post show and continue the discussion of this there. Thank you all for listening, and hope you tune in next time. If you enjoyed the episode, please check out the post show, which will be posting on the same platforms later in the week. In the post-show, we discuss what could have happened in the one-off, as well as the planning process that went into planning both the one-off and the character. We discuss various things related to and unrelated to role-playing games, each other, our real lives, and general just fun times. So please check that out. Eventually, however, those will be moving to Patreon, so check those first few out while you still can. I also want to give a special shout-out to our editor, Lyrica Yanaway, and our business manager, Casey Ahern. Thank you both for helping make this podcast possible. All music used in this podcast was under the Creative Commons license. The system we used is owned by Fantasy Flight Gaming, and Star Wars is owned by Disney. Thank you all for listening, and I hope you tune in next time.